Welcome once again to another TMG interview. My name is Paul Preston, uh, joined today by the star of a new romantic comedy released last weekend into the world in all the VOD hotspots, YouTube, Vudu, Amazon, Google Play, you name it. The film is Stars Fell on Alabama. My guest is the star who you also may know from the TV show and musical group Big Time Rush, Dancing with the Stars, Sequestered, and more, James Maslow. What's going on, bud? Hello, hello. Uh, well, th- let's uh, get right into the film. The tagline for Stars Fell on Alabama is, who says you can't go home again? That's exactly <laughs> what James's character is doing. He's a successful Hollywood talent agent named Bryce Dixon, considering going to his high school reunion, but he's concerned that all his old friends have married, they have families, and he's partying it up in limos in Los Angeles. So he convinces one of his clients, a rising star named Madison Bell, to be his girlfriend at the reunion. Boom. Romantic comedy ensues. What could uh, go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, what, well, tell us more. I mean, if, uh, you know, anyone else wanting to watch this movie and, and veer from streaming over to the VOD world, which I highly recommend all the time for people sitting at home, uh, don't just be settled for what, you know, the streaming services are giving you. Rent something, you know, like we used yeah, to. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I, I, spend, <laughs> I spend probably too much money on iTunes. But uh, speaking of which, the, the little movie that could, it's number six movie, I think, all across iTunes right now. Number one romantic movie. So we're, we're very lucky that people are taken to it. Why watch it? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, it's family <laughs> friendly, which is actually really nice. I have a few other projects coming out that are a little more vulgar, a little more crude. Uh, one's a big action movie and not necessarily, you know, going to be as wide of an audience. You know, if you got little kids or something. This you really can. It's it's cute. It's relatable, and we had a, a, a damn good time filming it. And I really think that when you have fun doing something, especially in a comedy, it shows through on the other side. So uh, it turned out great, and uh, so far I've gotten a lot of great compliments on it. Yeah, that shows with the ensemble. I mean, you guys have to seem like you all went to school together. And I'll get to them in a second, but I want to start off with congratulating you on making a Hollywood agent charming. <laughs> and like thank you very and much. I'm sure they're out there. I'm playing against a stereotype, of course. But what did you see in your character that you wanted to accentuate in terms of making him a likable romantic lead? Well, I have had the less than likable agents represent me before. And I'm not gonna name names because I just don't think that's in good taste. But um I, I don't like that. And uh from an acting perspective, I didn't know for a long time how they were conducting business on the phone how they would speak to other people, how they're representing me. But that's the truth is they're, they're a reflection of me and of the artist and of the actor. And if any other actor or musician tries to hide behind, oh, it wasn't me, it was my agent. Maybe if you've had him for two weeks, but eventually word gets out and it comes back to you, pal. And I was embarrassed when I found out and equally as happy to have the two agents that I have representing me today. I have two badass women, Gwen Pepper and Dee Binder. And they're exactly who you'd want to represent you. They're, they're class acts. They're tenacious. They're hard, you know, working and the go-getters, but it's never going to be in a way that I'm ashamed of. So I really try to take that aspect, how I conduct myself, how they conduct themselves as agents and bring it to Bryce Dixon, where, you know, Bryce started to fall into a little bit of the Hollywood stereotype where he was going out too much, kind of a ladies man, but that's not really who he was. And so going back home, going to this 15 year reunion, especially going back to the South, who's reminded by all of his fantastic friends and the fantastic ensemble cast that none of that stuff is really important. What's important is the quality of your relationships. And so he gets caught up in this lie, he convinces one of his clients to play his girlfriend. And obviously all of that ends terribly in some ways, but he finds 
himself again. And so it's a really sweet message at the end. And uh, I'd like to think that Bryce ultimately is not a dick. <laughs> You've summed up what I was trying to say. Yes, very nice. <laughs> um, Eloquently, as, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any relationship to Alabama itself or to the South? I, I look at your history. You're kind of a coastal guy. I am a coastal guy, born in New York, grew in San Diego, but I will say some of the best character prep I could have asked for was visiting my girlfriend's family in Wilburton, Oklahoma, before I went out and did this role. Now, I've been out there several times. Um, we've been dating for almost two years now, and she's got an incredible family, but it's quite different. I mean, she, she's from a town of, I think it's about 2,000 people, Wilburton. Uh, the closest Walmart's about 45 minutes to an hour away, and it's a different way of life. It's slower. There is more of an emphasis on family and people have kids younger. And it's, it's, you know, it's exactly what I'd imagine Bryce went through in Alabama, although he arguably had a larger town than Wilberton. But that's, you know, look, I've always spent a lot of time traveling the country, touring the country, and I found myself loving the country. Eventually, I want to get a place in, in Texas or somewhere in the South and just, you know, have four wheelers and horses and all the stuff that I grew up doing as a kid. Go full McConaughey, right? Or 100%. Or Santa That's Bullock. the goal. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so taking a title, a cue from the title, Stars Fell Out on Alabama. Um, stars Fell on uh, Beaufort, South Carolina, I believe is where you were shooting. Beaufort. So, yeah, yeah. Beaufort? Beaufort. Um, did, was there any culture clash there? Like, you know, we have, we have a culture clash, obviously, of a big city agent going to his, back to his small town here come the filmmakers here come the stars here comes this guy from big time rush and the power ranger girl <laughs> yeah, i was like did was there any hubbub in the town when you guys were filming i mean more than you'd imagine but in such a, a, a great way um what i mean by that is that the entire town knew we were filming they hadn't had a movie film there since forrest gump i think 20 years previous to us and we couldn't have felt more welcome for example every day instead of going or having craft service come on to set, the town decided, hey, we'll just volunteer a different restaurant every day to cater lunch. How cool is that? Like that Whoa. doesn't happen in New York or LA or Vancouver. They just no. cater set into your set. Here, the town would shut down the restaurant for lunch or give us a whole section and cater like we had a uh, cater. It was just so much better though. We had better food. It was a real kitchen. And, um, you know, when we'd film exterior scenes, you'd see some of the people in the town, like pull out their lawn chairs and sit down and just, hang out and watch, um, which of course, for background purposes was problematical uh, <laughs> at times, but <laughs> just so sweet. I mean, to the point where I went to Buford CrossFit gym and had a great little gym there, but such small town stuff, like any other CrossFit gym in the world, I just show up and you pay your $20 drop in fee or whatever it is and call it a day. And they're like, Hey, if you just, uh, you know, take one of the t-shirts, don't, don't worry about it. You know, I'm like, no problem. I'll pay. They're like, no, no, no. The owner insisted. I'm like, I've never even met the owner. <laughs> so just so sweet. You know, it's, it's a quintessential, beautiful, small town. And if anybody ever gets a chance, I'd recommend Beaufort. It's quite pretty. What you've heard in, about Southern hospitality was well on display, right? Absolutely. And Alabama itself, I worked an auto show in Birmingham once years ago, uh, hosting for GMC and um, I do, I've, you know, went to the civil rights museum and I visited some other places. I thought it was really cool, but I wasn't getting out of there without some barbecue. You know, I was get, I wasn't getting out of Alabama without some barbecue. So the Southern food, I mean, if there's anyone who's going to step up for you, I'm glad it was the food because he needed to experience that before yep. he left. First and foremost. Yeah. Um, and okay. So I mentioned, uh, Power Rangers, your co-star Ciara, uh, Hannah, 
was uh, featured in the Power Rangers. If you look at her IMDb, that sticks out. So does Bold and the Beautiful. But I couldn't help but look down uh, and find out she appeared on Big Time Rush years ago. So is did you guys did you meet her then? Did or did she show up on set and you went, "Hey, uh, I was on that show you were on"? Or did you have what kind of relationship have you had with her? What's your history? Uh, actually, further back than that, this is an example of it. Really, is a small town. And for those of us who are lucky to be working and have started working young and continue to work, you run into the same people. Um, and ours goes back to actually sharing the first manager that either one of us had 13 years ago, 13, 14 years at this point. So I moved out when I was 17. So um, yes, we've known each other for that long. And that was part of the appeal for me doing this project. I heard that she was attached, which immediately you know, it tells you several things like alleviates the awkwardness of like, oh, well, I like this person. I get along. I knew she'd be a pro that she's a sweetheart and also kind of cool to catch up with an old friend. That's a good manager. I mean, clearly you guys both booked some pretty big <laughs> things. So she's taking care of you. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, and yeah, that, he, uh, he was he's he, like an uncle to me growing up. He, cool. yeah. Um, well, I mentioned the, the rest of the cast previously. Uh, again, when you arrive on set, you have to have 15 year and more plus relationship with all these other characters. So did you do the thing where you just prepared and prepared, showed up on set and provided, you know, truth to that relationship? Or did you do uh, one of the method things where you say, Hey, let's get together for a weekend. We'll all bond. We'll get to know each other. How did you guys come together as a cast? Well, we, CR and I had a little bit more time for rehearsals. We started filming in LA actually before we got out there um, for a couple of scenes. So that was easy, but the rest of the cast had to basically show up and be ready to go. Um, and luckily everybody was such a pro and just so nice that we fell into a routine very quickly. But yeah, to your point, it can be tough to just meet somebody and then have this chemistry that you're supposed to have developed for 15 years when you hadn't had it. And again, ironically, in the case of Madison Bell, who I didn't need to have 15 years with, I had it in real life with Ciara. But they were just great. And to me, any production I've ever been on how those relationships are going to go often starts from how the producers and how the director want to run a set. If it's cold and it's strict and it's not fun, that's going to reflect on everybody and it's going to be tougher to get to know people. But if it's how it was on Starsfell, where it's so welcoming, so safe, so family-esque, you know, we'd be like doing dinners and drinks with everybody after almost every single day for better or worse it made it very easy to get to know people on an offset and to have a rapport pretty quickly. And it doesn't get too dark. Clearly this is a romantic comedy, but the idea of going home again could go in any different direction from like, Oh wow. I think you're really cool. Cause you did this thing right to straight resentment, like people from your hometown or like, wow, you left and did stuff. And I'm now I resent you or I'm jealous or who knows what do you have personally have any, uh, history with that sort of feel like i thought mike bash's character could have been a lot angrier <laughs> it seemed like he was oh this is the angry guy who's like but then it didn't happen because of course it would have uh, subverted the whole tone of the film where we're just having fun but then it, it, and like i said some people in my hometown say things like hey why don't you just do a movie with sandra bullock she's great yeah i'll i'll call her you know <laughs> like yeah, they, me... <laughs> so how's your hometown ever related to your success you know i've gotten it every which way you can imagine been doing this for quite a while. In fact, the irony is when I had less success and things just started, it was fresh in people's minds. And they thought like, you know, my first guest star, like, oh, you must be making a million dollars a day, <laughs> which starts out as a compliment and then eventually becomes anger when they want to borrow us something. And you're like, no, I got to pay my own rent. You know what I mean? Like I'm a kid, barely got his own place now. Yeah. 
there's, you know, I think as I've gotten older, you, you just kind of, you let it go. And ultimately, I think as a part of growing up and uh, becoming a adult human, if you will, is trying to surround yourself with people that are positive influences. And so I have some friends that are still my friends from back when, because they don't care. They just want me to be happy. I want them to be happy. We're on, a, I've got a text conversation with my boys from San Diego that's, you know, every day and it's just nonsense. And at, at best, I'll get a congrats you know, with some sort of absurd meme on a project. But that's as much as they care. And that's as much thought as we give it. And to me, those are, you know, what real friends are about. The same friends will also like show up. My buddy Donnie showed up for a concert I had in London just because he, he could. He's like, yeah, I'll take the time off and I'll go. He's come to multiple premieres and it's just for the free bar. He doesn't care about me being there. He's there for, you know, to have a good time. And like, those are the friends that you hold on to. And anybody, whether it's friends or family that tries to make it out to be anything bigger or better or cooler or weirder than it is, you know, you just act yourself. And if they can't uh, get with that program, I try not to spend too much time around them. Now the film is uh, filled with country music, uh, lots of new country music as well. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. you stuck to acting this time out though. So you didn't provide us. Was there talk of you doing a song for the soundtrack or is country even your thing? You know, I've gotten a lot more in the country since uh, Dayton Caitlin who's from the country. Yeah. Um, I like it actually. And then uh, there was a little bit of chatter point if I wanted to give it a shot, but it's definitely not my forte. Um, my whole project is the EDM world. Now it goes by LTX and it's very much dance music. And that's what I love to make and create. Having said that would love to write for a country art at some point, but when you got somebody like Taylor Hicks coming in, you let, you let the pros do it. Yeah. I was going to say about halfway through the film, he shows up and he covers all American rejects, uh, gives you hell, which is pretty cool. Did you have a history? Well, there's quite a, quite a few originals from him in there as well oh cool the whole movie yeah oh yeah. all right yeah that's the one he sings in the, in the film so i wasn't sure who, yep. what uh, he was credited with but did, did you know him before the film i didn't met him on the film and you know class act and also just like quintessential southern again southern charm where he was just alabama boy happy to be there did a thousand takes didn't care was ready to do it every single time and um, you know, I think it's also fun to watch musicians who don't get to spend as much time on set because you can tell, like, they just want to keep hanging out. And he definitely wanted to. Um, what a great guy. We did a little uh, press interview the other day. And again, just humble and hardworking. And um, thanks to him, you know, he helped create and, and steer the, the film in the right direction with music. And I attended the premiere last Thursday. So showed up in the car and I think I was parked right near you. Actually, when it was over, I saw you get out and goes hobnob with some of the cast members, you know, keeping your closest, your best social distance and masks and the whole thing. So I wanted to ask, how is a premiere? I mean, clearly I was there. So I see how a premiere is different when you don't have all the pomp and circumstance points to the PR company, though, for giving everybody a bucket of treats, though. That's always a win. <laughs> but uh, are there any other ways you're celebrating the release of the film? Are you zooming? Is there a watch party? You know, the fact that they even set that up was pretty remarkable. L.A. is as closed as any city in the world, as far as I can tell right now. So um, just awesome. They were able to do something. We were able to celebrate it. Uh, the director and CR and I are in a group text. And every time the movie rises and ranks somewhere, he's like, we're number six now. Or like, we're number one in this area. And so it's nice. We're trying to celebrate here. But when things are safe and we can, we'll most certainly uh, have drinks and have a proper little get together. But who knows when that'll be. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic is an awful thing, but uh, I do enjoy the uh, rise of the drive-in. It has been uh, quite fun to partake in once again. That was my first one. I hadn't been to one yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was a good pop-up one on a rooftop in Glendale or something. It was really cool. <laughs> you jammed a bunch of people in there. Um, so two, uh, two last things. What's, uh, what's next for you in film or music? 
Uh, most immediate is probably music. I've got an acoustic version of my song History coming out soon. Um, and then just onboarded a whole new management team for LTX. So the next uh, original is called Unforgettable. We'll probably be dropping that within a couple of months. And God willing, we'll be back to playing and DJing in the near future, but obviously when it's safe. And then on the acting front, I have two more movies I lead coming out this year. When specifically, I'm not sure, but I would get uh, guess that the next one is called We Need to Talk. It's a very funny comedy, a little more raunchy comedy than this movie about playing the biggest gamer in the world. You just imagine the uh, junk talking that goes on in a film like that. Hilarity ensues. Uh, it's just one best uh, comedy and I won best actor at the First Glance Film Festival in Philadelphia, which is super cool. Oh, nice. So it's doing a little festival round. And then hopefully by the end of this year, a uh, big old World War II film called Wolfhound that I lead as well. So that's, that's going to be an exciting one. That's one that I hope we can see in a theater because the way that this director, Michael B. Chait, has shot and sound designed the whole thing. I mean, I jokingly, but based entirely on what I've seen him, uh, he's shown me, I call him Michael Bay Chait because it just <laughs> looks, he's big. looks awesome. Yeah. It looks big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, that is a thing, man. Uh, well, that's a whole nother conversation about the way movies are going to streaming and, I just don't want to watch Dune on my phone. Anyway, uh, yeah. last question I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, what is your favorite movie of all time? Can I pick like a genre subcategory at least? You know what? Everybody cheats and everybody's, uh, and I'm cool with everybody cheating. <laughs> I'm going to say just for levity and sincerely, my favorite comedy is Zoolander. Oh, you know what? I only saw that for the first time very recently. One of my pandemic, like, make sure I get this uh, while I'm in lockdown, get this cross off the list. I'd never seen Clueless, Mean Girls. There's a whole bunch of stuff like that wow. I've never seen. Yeah. I can understand not seeing Mean Girls, but Clueless, come on. <laughs> that was my favorite of the bunch, probably, too. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> but Zoolander, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, where is Ben Stiller? I think we need some more Ben Stiller in our lives right now. I mean, I think he's made enough money to just relax a little bit. That's I guess true. Tropic Thunder would also be another favorite uh, stiller film of mine. But I mean, dude, he's, he's from he wrote, directed, produced, and starred in that one, for example. And he's done that with a bunch of projects. Guy's talented. Yeah. Well, uh, that wraps this uh, TMG interview. And once again, Stars Fell in Alabama is available on VOD all over the damn place. Uh, you can follow what I'm up to at The Movie Guys pretty much everywhere on social media, themovieguys.net as well. And uh, thanks to James Maslow. What is your social or any other plugs you want to give us? Yeah, no, we've covered plenty of projects. You can follow anything I'm doing just uh, on social media at James Maslow to the point. Right on. And, uh, of course, uh, themovieguys.net for this interview and more. Uh, thank you much, James. Paul, thanks for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening.